welcome to the Adventist Healthcare and You podcast. I hope everyone is doing well. We've got a great topic today about kids and common illnesses. And this is a topic that's close to my heart as I have a little one, eight years old, and I still constantly wonder, what do I do when he's sick? Where do I take him? Can it wait? Does he need to be seen now? Call his pediatrician. And that's usually where I end up. But I always just have that conversation with my husband or just with myself wondering what to do. So we have a great guest today. Dr. Scott Friedman. He's a past director of the Pediatric Emergency Department at Shady Grove Medical Center. So welcome, Dr. Friedman. Thank you for being on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So this is a timely topic because we are kind of right in the middle of cold, flu, respiratory season. And those happen all year round, but they spike at this time of year in the winter. And so that now includes COVID. It hasn't gone away. It's still there. Um, So I know you're busy. And so I so appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast today. Happy to. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at Shady Grove Medical Center. Sure. So I am, um, as you stated, a pediatric emergency medicine physician. I've been, boy, I'd hate to say it, but a pediatrician for going on for 30 years and a pediatric emergency medicine physician for nearly that long, for about 28 years. Mm-hmm. And that's something unique about Shady Grove as a community-based hospital, that we have dual-boarded pediatric emergency medicine physicians that are full-time practitioners in our pediatric emergency department. Mm-hmm. I was, um, up until this past summer, the medical director of our pediatric emergency department for about 22 years and transitioned out of that role like I said, this summer, still practicing clinically in the emergency department, probably work a lot more now than I really thought I might. But, you know, (laughs) it's still truthfully great fun. Well, that's great, Dr. Friedman. One of the many things that makes Shady Grove Medical Center unique is the pediatric ED. What else can you share with us about the pediatric ED? You know, our pediatric ED is really quite unique. It is the oldest pediatric emergency department in our county, It's the largest pediatric ED in our county. What really sets us apart is that we are the only pediatric ED, I would say, not just in our county, but actually in our entire state of Maryland that's community-based, that has board-certified, dual-boarded pediatric emergency medicine physicians. They're either dual-boarded in pediatric emergency medicine, that's the majority of us who've done a pediatric residency and then subsequently completed fellowship training in pediatric emergency medicine. So one thing when people come to us, and, and, and I hope they do recognize and appreciate, they're getting a different level of care. They're not being seen by pediatricians. They're not being seen by just, and I hate to say just, emergency physicians, but they're being seen by pediatric emergency medicine physicians who, again, are either dual-boarded, fellowship-trained in pediatric emergency medicine, or have done a combined residency in pediatrics and emergency medicine. So that extra training gives us that much more experience when it comes to taking care of children. The other thing that makes us unique is we're the only center in the hospital that trains residents in pediatrics and in emergency medicine. So it's one of the things we're really very excited to do, that we are really training the future doctors in emergency medicine, in pediatric emergency medicine. We have also dedicated 
pediatric emergency nurse practitioners, and we have a dedicated space. So for those who haven't visited our ED, they, I think, would be really taken to recognize it's a special place where their kids will get the attention and care they need. What really, really sets us apart is the culture we have in our pediatric emergency department. And that starts with teamwork. And I'll tell you what really is special is the relationship we have with our super dedicated, well-trained pediatric emergency nurses, our emergency department techs, all of whom really dedicate their time and career and care to taking care of children. That's great. I love how you describe that. It's a next level of care. Let's kind of dig into it a little bit. Since it is winter and we do see spikes in illnesses this time of year, what are some of the most common things that you see? As you stated, in the winter, by far the most common thing we tend to treat are respiratory illnesses. The unique illnesses that should be unique for this the winter, but this year was not, would be bronchiolitis, which is a unique condition typically seen in children under two. But as we hopefully will get into, this year was very different when it came to seeing and treating bronchiolitis. But we see a lot of that, as well as um, asthma, pneumonia, upper respiratory infections, and a whole gamut of respiratory complaints that tend to be more prevalent in the winter. You can see them year-round, but more prevalent in the winter. Uh, as well, because it's winter, there's a lot more infectious diseases. So we definitely see a peak in children with just fever as being their complaint. And our duty, as it were, would be to help to figure out what's the cause of their fever, how to manage it, and how to manage the illness that's associated with it. We see a lot of GI illness in the winter when kids tend to be more concentrated indoors. That's when contagious illnesses tend to peak. But I do want to talk about something that is something that not everyone knows about, which is we are seeing a spike in behavioral health. Children and adolescents with needs for mental health complaints and mental health care. It's not unique to the winter. It's something that over year on year, we've been seeing more and more. But uh, for many reasons, in the last month or so, our numbers have spiked again for taking care of children and adolescents with mental health needs. We probably see more children and adolescents with mental health needs than anyone anywhere else in our state other than perhaps the academic centers. Well, thank you for sharing that. As a mom and you know, I have a little one who likes to share his germs too. So how do you know when it's time to bring your child to the emergency department? I mean, obviously if they stop breathing or something like that, you know, you call 911, you bring them in. But are there certain things that we should look for in kids to indicate this is not an urgent care visit, this is bring them to the ED? Yeah, that's a good question. I think from a respiratory standpoint, that since we're talking about respiratory mm-hmm. illnesses, Respiratory distress or shortness of breath or, or difficulty breathing all kind of fall under the same category. And that being if you as a parent are seeing your child and in your judgment, they're struggling to breathe, they're working hard, they're breathing fast, they're breathing deeply, that's probably an emergency visit rather than waiting till tomorrow to see your pediatrician or, or trying to add them on to a visit to an urgent care you know, a lot of parents try to really drill down on me that question 
And I will tell them, if you're worried that your child's struggling to breathe, you shouldn't hesitate in the least bit to bring them to us, to take care of them, to evaluate them, and leave it to us to tell you, no, that wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. Or, Or more so, you know, I'm glad you came when you came. Other reasons to come to the emergency department and bypass, whether it be their pediatrician or in urgent care, would be altered mental status, mm-hmm. a child who is lethargic, a child who is irritable beyond just crying, but the concern is they're not consoling, they're not interacting appropriately, they're, you're worried not just their young child, but you know, as we sort of alluded to with mental health, their adolescent or even the younger child might have gotten into something and seems off. Those are really appropriate reasons to come to the emergency department. If your child appears to be really dehydrated to you, very weak and very pale and very limp or listless or telling you they feel really dehydrated and dizzy, those are without question appropriate reasons. But beyond that, I do tell parents, you know, we're here for you. If it's even as little as to make you feel better, that's why we're here. Yeah, I've often sometimes gone, not to the ED, but either urgent care. Or I just I just need to make myself feel better by bringing him in. So I, I understand that and appreciate that. How can we be prepared for an ED visit? You know, we, we do have to bring them in. It's busy. How can we just prepare for a visit? I think there's a common misconception that, oh, no, we're going to go to the ED. We're going to wait eight hours. We're going to be there all night. I think that's wrong. Okay. (laughs) I think that what you do need to be prepared for is that you're going to get a pretty thorough assessment, Mm -hmm. depending on the circumstance. You know, we see a lot of patients. No one makes a schedule. They come when they do. We can't predict that if you show up and five minutes later we get three critical patients that you're not going to have to wait just as much as I would hope that you would recognize that if your kid is critical, he's going to come in and bump somebody else that's been maybe waiting longer. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of calls or questions, how long's the wait? And my answer always is the wait's appropriate for what you're being seen for as well is the type of workup, the evaluation you get will depend on how long you'll be there. But I contend that the efficient level of care we offer, which is a pretty thorough assessment and evaluation, determination, do you need diagnostics? Do you need to get blood tests or urine tests or radiographs? If you get them, we will get those results. Unlike if you go to your pediatrician, for example, they're going to give you an order sheet and send you to the lab or send you to an outpatient radiology center, and that result might come back in a day or two. We're going to get them then and there during your visit. So we're going to get results. We're going to interpret the results. We're going to determine what kind of treatment your child might need. And we're going to determine, I sure hope, appropriately the disposition. Does your child need hospitalization? Do they need a more prolonged ED stay so we can, as I say, tune them up and Mm -hmm. get them ready to go home? Or are they good to go right from the get-go? And as I mentioned, it's just taking you know, some reassurance from us that, you know, this isn't as bad as you thought. Well, and that's a good point that a lot happens if you do need to go to the ER. And there's a lot of people working, as you say, get them ready to go home or di- diagnose them. And so a lot happens in that time that you're there. And and that's right. appropriate for why you're there. Yeah, I don't think anyone really wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I want to go to the ED today no. and hang out there all day. <laughs> 
So there is a, not a lot of lead time necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, you might call your pediatrician and they might say, you know, that's probably more appropriate to go to the ED. And I know that that creates a lot of anxiety and fear for a parent yeah. to say, what? You want me to go to the emergency department? Not everything is like a dire, life-threatening emergency that said, though, things are done in order of acuity. Yeah. Um, if you have the time uh, and you have a sick child and you have a sick child who's chronically sick, it sure helps us if you bring a list of their medications. Oh, that's a good point. Um, if you also do recognize that things might time, take time, so you bring your child's favorite toy, you bring something to drink or eat, but always ask us, of course, if they can. And you bring something that keeps them entertained. A lot of times that entertainment is an iPad. We We appreciate it because certainly keeping their children comfortable and occupied and it will make that stay seem less lengthy yes, than it is. Agreed. Yes. Well, thank you. That's a good point about the medication and just kind of just preparing for what you don't know. What are some recommendations you have to keep kids healthy this year? Yeah, I think what COVID did for us is brought to light the importance of how to avoid contagious diseases. I think there's a lot of, we could have another talk, I know, offline about <laughs> all the the hoopla related to the politics related to COVID. But really, it brought to the importance of wearing a mask when you're contagious, when you're sneezing, when you're coughing, when you're congested. Wearing a mask helps to prevent the spread of viral infections. Two, I would say, is COVID taught us the importance of hand washing. It taught us the importance of keeping with you some hand hygiene and using it. It hopefully taught parents and children themselves, if I sneeze, wash my hands. Don't use my sleeve, but rather use some tissues and keep some tissues with them. And probably the single most important thing that COVID taught us was the tremendous merit of vaccines. How the COVID vaccine was created, produced, distributed, and given to so many people in less than a year is really the likely the single greatest contribution to clinical medicine in my lifetime. It saved millions of lives and many, many more millions of hospitalizations and disabilities. So in my world of pediatrics, vaccines are, in my opinion, simply a must-do. Early on in my career, I saw easily 100 or more children with measles and pertussis and bacterial meningitis that now, if we see one case every few years, that's more than I even think we do see. And this is all due to the advent of early childhood vaccines. And probably as important as everything is as a parent recognizing if your child is sick, don't send them to school or don't send them to daycare because that's just going to perpetuate the spread of other of illnesses to others. Yeah, I had that thought the other week. My, my son was sick and it wasn't COVID, but it, he was snotty and congested and I'm like, I got to keep you home. Yeah, you don't feel good. You don't. And you don't feel good and you need to stay home. And I know that's not easy for everyone to be able to make that decision, but now it's, I need to keep him home versus should I keep him home? It's more, I just say, no, you need to stay home. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a tricky one. I'll tell you because I'll tell, I say that to you, but I'll also tell you, I talk to parents a lot uh, The that this whole phenomenon, as I call it, daycare-itis. Mm. 
And I'll tell parents, your kid is in daycare. He or she is going to be sick from probably October to May. So you can't keep them home for six months. You can't. That's so true. So you just have to use good sound yes. judgment for what's really sick yep. and what's the sniffles and what's the little bit of a headache and what's the, you know, those things that maybe the kid wants to stay home, but, you know, they need to be in school yes. too. It's, so Yeah, you definitely, I like that, as you said, use good judgment. Just, you know, your kid best. Is it the sniffles? Is it something else? Good, uh, good advice there. Thank you. Of course. Is there anything else you want to share about the ED or about keeping kids healthy? Anything else that you want to share with us and our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, how much time do we have? <laughs> Boy, you know, I think uh, I covered a lot of it with you. you. I've covered the fact that I think we have a unique, special place yes. that parents often will come saying to me things like, I didn't know this was here, or there's something really special about or different about mm -hmm. here. And the difference is our whole focus is not just your child, but you too, right? The difference in pediatric emergency medicine is we recognize we're taking care of a family. We're taking care, if we don't recognize that taking care of that child is taking care of their mother or father, then we lose. And so do you. So it's really a special place that we have. I'm super proud of it. I think that might have come across. Yes. But I also think that being patient, having some trust in us to know that we're there for you. You know, there are times I'll get parents that will be very, let's say, dubious or, or more. Uh, and I'll hopefully reassure them to the point of reminding them that I'm there for you. Mm -hmm. I'm there for your child. And we're going to do the best we can with the tools we have and the equipment we have and the specialty we are and our experience we have to do the best job we can for you and your child. I think that's a great way to end today's podcast is we have a special place at Shady Grove Medical Center. And we so appreciate you, Dr. Friedman, for coming on and sharing all this wonderful information with us and being a part of Adventist Healthcare for almost 20 years or longer, longer, longer. Yes. <laughs> if you want to find out more information about the Shady Grove Medical Center Pediatric ED, please check out AdventistHealthcare.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can get all of our new episodes. Thank you, Dr. Friedman. We'd love to have you back on. Thank you, Shannon. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and be well. Thank you.